Hey, I'm Danita. And hi, I'm David. Catch our show, School Days, help for moms and dads of school-aged kids. Look, we've been married for 14 years and have three school-aged children. We both work in the field of education. We have the same struggles helping our kids academically just like any other parent. So we want to share what we've learned and invite experts to share with us so we can all learn together. Join us Tuesdays from 11 to noon in the Blue Bowl. On FishbowlRadioNetwork.com. Jump in. Well, good morning. Welcome to School Days, help for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I'm Danita Bailey. And I'm David Bailey. Today, we're discussing early childhood literacy and language development. So, moms and dads of, um, of kids that aren't in kindergarten yet, you're going to want to stick around for this. Research shows that the human brain grows the most from birth to age five, and that exposure to language and books during this time is crucial for academic success later on in life. So, what do you remember were your latest, your earliest memories of being read to and books and things like that, Dave? So, this is radio. You have to use words. <laughs> you can't just stare at me. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's my answer. No, I understand. <laughs> but they can't see that. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry, uh, listening audience who can't see me. Yes. Uh, nothing. Nothing. You don't remember any reading prior to school like books or i remember a few laying around but it wasn't a you know hey son come sit on my lap and let's read stories together right. i do i have early memories of my dad reading to me i can't remember my mom not that she didn't but i can remember sitting in my dad's lap and him reading books to me and I can also remember just like, you know, those big, thick books, like the thick pages and they're right. really like tall books. Yeah. I can remember those in our house. Yeah. Those are my earliest memories. Yeah. I, I don't really get interested in reading until middle school. Um, I would go to the library and I remember a couple of books I saw my brother reading before and then I was interested in what he read. So I found those at the library and started reading those books. Uh-huh. It was by Lloyd Alexander. I'll never forget. The Book of Three, Turan Wanderer, and The High King. It was a trilogy. Oh. And that that kind of got me hooked. And then from there, um, I started you know, taking more of an interest in reading when I wasn't doing school stuff. But not till middle school. Yeah. Uh, my mom tells me that I would inhale books. Like the... Uh, what is it called? The book fair? Yeah. Uh-huh. I was always really, really excited. Like our kids are. I was yeah. really, really excited when the book fair came around. And I would read a lot. Oh, and now that's okay. changed a little since I've become an adult. Yeah. But I, yeah, and that's weird because now I don't, I'm not like that anymore. I don't know what, actually I do know what happened. Television happened. Mm-hmm. I got interested in television and put the books down. All right. Well, I mean, and that's, you know, one of your uh, fortes is television and editing and stuff like that so yeah. you kind of shifted well that's why yeah because i watched tv yeah. so much when i was little oh we got to get you back on some audio books or something yeah, yeah i tried an audio book that didn't work out Pod, so well for yeah. me i'm still trying to get through start from start with why oh this is yeah. like four month four. Oh boy yeah yeah it shouldn't be taking me this long yeah so but you used to read a lot to our kids yeah i, like, I can't yeah. remember with our first child yeah and i read a lot to them and then I didn't. <laughs> it just, it, 
I don't even know. You mean when you it, started with our oldest? Yeah, I started with our oldest DJ, and we read a lot, read, read stories at night. And then Jonathan, he kind of came on board, and then, and then I. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. We suddenly had three kids. And yeah. It felt like we didn't have and then as much I was time. tired all the time, right? Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Right. I remember sometimes they would wake me up. The first kid always gets the best yeah. stuff. Kind of like in The Incredibles uh, when it was reading and he read, and jo- and uh, Jack Jack slapped him upside the head to wake him up because he was dozing off. Remember that? Oh, uh, yeah. I yeah. remember you doing that. That's what it was that. like. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. <clears throat> all right. Yeah. We got, we got to do better. And I think that, you know, today our guest is going to help us to yes. get some tools and, and also what I'm most excited about is um, just getting a, a better understanding of how important um, literacy is um, so early on. You hear it a lot and you, you know, when you go to the doctor, <clears throat> the doctor says, you know, are you reading to your children? And, right. you know, you hear it everywhere. But, you know, just in researching for this program, for this show, I've just, my eyes have been even more open to just how crucial it really, really is. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. But before we go any further, let me just say it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in, and add the hashtag School Days Show and hashtag I am school dazed. And also, we really do want you to be a part of the show. So if you have questions or comments, give us a call at 214-431-5062. So Dave, do you want to introduce who we've got with us today? Yes, let me get going. I know she's chomping at the bitch. She's like, you you better come on. She's, she's loaded and ready to go. So let me let me do the introduction here and then we're going we're gonna to get right to it. All right. So uh, Dr. Ann Van Cleek is a professor and and. Collier Research Scholar at the Collier Center for Communication Disorders in the School of Behavioral and Brain Science at the University of Texas at Dallas. Over the past 40 years, she has taught courses and conducted research on preschoolers' language development. She's been particularly interested in the kinds of preschool and oral language skills that provide critically important foundations for preschoolers, later literacy achievement, and academic success. Dr. Van Cleek has published five books and is also and has over 75 additional publications. She's also given over 200 50 presentations about her work both nationally and internationally. Uh, her research has won numerous national and, inter- and international awards. This past fall, Dr. Van Cleek received the highest award given in her field to honor her career-long groundbreaking research on preschoolers' language, foundations for later academic success, and literacy development. So that's like you got like the Oscars of your field. <laughs> that's awesome. Is that, is that a, is that a <laughs> true you. statement? It's kind of the Oscars of your field? It felt like it the night they had Aww. the award ceremony. It was pretty amazing. Yes, yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, Thank you. We are so glad you're here to um, talk with us today and to share your expertise to our our family and our and our you know our family of listeners our school days family yes i like yes. that yes Hey fam, we're uh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna go in today. So let's so let's go. Well, well, I wanted to start real quick. You before we before we went on the air, you were talking a little bit about your background, and we really found it fascinating. So you know, talk about a little bit, kind of where you came from. And I know we just read your bio, but you, yeah, that wasn't in your bio. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from um, a family of six children, so my mom didn't have much time to read test. But when I was still two, not yet three, my older sister Karen 
was in school. She was three and a half years older than me, and she was starting to learn how to read, and she would come home and play school with me, and she taught me how to read before I was three years of age. Um, She was a pretty darn strict teacher, (laughs) Um, but I learned how to read, and I just think that that helped me so much when I got to school and already had that skill. So um, I think that's probably an unusual story. So Karen, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that really started you on quite a journey. So um, we have so many questions for you. So let's just jump right in. So what language milestones should children be hitting before the age of five? So in terms of their speech, uh, a stranger should be able to understand everything that a five-year-old says, or even a four-year-old says, even if not all the speech sounds are produced 100% correctly. In terms of language, five-year-olds should be able to express their thoughts and feelings. They should be able to ask when, where, why kinds of questions. Mm -hmm. They should be able to engage in a back-and-forth flow of conversation. They should be able to tell a coherent story, be able to recall things that have happened in the past in a clear and understandable manner and regularly use their language to reason about the world and to learn about the world. And we also really hope that they use their language to learn more about language and more about the world, so Mm -hmm. that they're asking questions about what things are and how they work and where they came from, and also, what does this word mean? And the more they do of that, the better off they'll be. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just our little testimony of what happened with our son, by the time he was age two, was it? Yeah, by the time he was age two, he wasn't even repeating words. So, you know, that we were looking at his older brother as kind of a, a, a an example of maybe what mm-hmm. we should be expecting sure. and, and also other people's kids. And so by the time he was age two, he wasn't even repeating words. We, we started to get some concerned and we yeah. started to try to get him some help. So that's definitely a... <clears throat> a uh, red flag that was a red flag for us Mm -hmm. so what are some symptoms kind of like that of language disorders so language (laughs) is what allows um, us to understand what's said and express our thoughts and feelings effectively and of course from birth to five years there's a tremendous amount of language growth but about seven to ten percent of kids just have a lot of difficulty learning language. It sounds like your son was one of them. And when children's weaker um, language skills are confirmed, they'll be tested by a speech-language pathologist, and if he or she finds out that they're clearly outside of the normal range for their age, then we call that a developmental language disorder. So how do you know that, well, so I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, maybe for some parents that they might not have access to a speech pathologist, mm-hmm. pathologist. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, what kind of things would be red flags, like, you know, Jonathan not repeating words by the time he was two? Sure. So children, of course, develop language at different rates, um, so like mm-hmm. just like they do everything. But when a parent notices that a child seems to have noticeably less 
language or communication than most of the other children their age, like you compared your child to a previous child. Um, or if you start to see that the child seems frustrated, that they can't yeah. uh, express themselves, then it's definitely time to go and have them evaluated by a professional. But we can even get signs a lot earlier than that even before children can talk, like you were mentioning your son, there can be signs of a problem. So a typically developing 10 to 12 month old um, can communicate pretty well using gestures and vocalizations, even though they don't have language yet. They'll also be making lots of sounds and babbling. They'll show an interesting in sharing experiences and communicating non-verbally mm-hmm. at that point right. with others. They probably will understand a few words. And if these kinds of things aren't happening by 18 months, then it's definitely time to get the child's language skills evaluated. Okay. Um, so what would be some of the causes of their... Of a development, developmental disorder. We're using words that are too big for me today. I know. I just, <laughs> it's a mouthful. Developmental, <laughs> developmental language disorder. Right. Um, if you can say it, you don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> so um, about 7 to 10% of kids have a developmental language disorder, even though they have good hearing, good cognitive skills, good social skills, and an adequately stimulating environment, uh, the language disorder is their primary difficulty. So we'll call that a primary developmental language disorder. Talk about a really big mouthful. (laughs) So in other cases, the child has another developmental disability that causes the language disorder. So for example, they may have a severe or profound hearing loss. They may have um, intellectual disability. Um, So that'll cause them to have language skills that are poorer than other children their chronological age. Um, Children on the autism spectrum very frequently have uh, developmental language disorders. And we call these disorders secondary language disorders because the primary problem is the hearing loss or the um, cognitive impairment or being on the autism spectrum and the language is second the language problem yeah. is secondary to that and sometimes we'll see several risk factors increasing the probability even if it's not something more dramatic like an intellectual disability or mm-hmm. um, severe hearing loss or whatever so there can be <coughs> risk factors and a lot of times, any one of these risk factors alone wouldn't make the child more susceptible to having a language disorder. But as they start to pile up, the probability the child would have a language disorder increases. So here we have things like prematurity and low birth weight, having infections in utero or around the time of birth, having a mom who had substance abuse problems Mm -hmm. um, during her pregnancy, having a parent who had difficulty learning language or learning Hmm. to read, or having a mom who didn't graduate from high school. So... I'm sorry. So I'm I'm interested. You said mom why why the emphasis on on mom oh that's such a good question that's i usually qualify that because that's 
where the research is mostly focused. Okay. Uh, yeah. Interesting. So, like, what, so yeah. What about the dad? What yeah, mean? it's uh, certainly <laughs> dad. And the research is focused there mostly. We we have an easier time getting moms, you know, to participate uh-huh. in research yeah. subjects. And still, even though things are changing, moms are spending more, more time, time with their yeah. children right. than dads typically are. So mm-hmm. mom will have a little bit more impact, but it doesn't mean what dad does isn't important right. at all. Um, so, you know, in a lot of cases, we just really don't know why a child has a language disorder. Mm-hmm. We don't see the risk factors. We don't see these primary disabilities. Um, but there's certainly a lot of research going on trying to figure that out. Right. And in our case, uh, it turned out that Jonathan was on the spectrum. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. But he was he's high functioning. Uh-huh. So at the time, he was kind of too young to be diagnosed with sure, that sure um, because he didn't have kind of some of the telltale things like maybe hitting his head or you know some of the other right. things that would be would scream autism mm-hmm. um, so we he didn't get diagnosed until he was eight right Wow, seven, seven or eight? eight it was yeah. seven. Yeah, but he definitely and then you had went, the ah, ah exactly. Now it all makes right. sense. Absolutely. Yes. And, yes. and then with it, you know, there was a diagnosis of the severe speech impairment prior to us having the diagnosis of him being on the autism spectrum. Remember that? Yeah. Um, prior mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. so that was more like the primary push, but that really wasn't it. And mm-hmm. so now he's and he's he's you no. Know, talking pretty well now mm-hmm. um so this is interesting this the yeah. research is it's it's like oh that that makes that makes perfect and we sense. tested his hearing and his hearing was perfect mm-hmm. and then we were there was just kind of no explanation he just and then you know eventually we got him some help we we got with um eci early childhood intervention right. uh-huh. and got him some help and then all of a mm-hmm. sudden his his issue was um not repeating and then he was unintelligible nobody Mm -hmm. and he was upset with us the frustration that you were talking about because he's saying things but but we're they were he's like dummy (laughs) i'm trying to talk to you guys why don't you understand me Mm -hmm. and he was smart they tested him he was smart it wasn't an intellectual thing it's just nobody could understand what he was saying Mm -hmm. so it was i'm so glad that we were able to get him the help yeah. Um, so this just has me thinking. So just you know, for parents from you know, just various backgrounds, you know, um, well, maybe we'll get to that later as far as kind of how how to where to go to get resources. Yeah, we and will. Help. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll hold off on that. Okay. Okay. Is there a correlation between nutrition and language development? So when we get into pretty serious nutritional issues like malnutrition, that can certainly impair cognitive development, and mm-hmm. that in turn will impair language development. Um, on the other hand, breastfeeding seems to be beneficial for cognitive development, so mm-hmm. it can be beneficial for language development. Eating breakfast uh, is beneficial for yeah. cognition learning, language learning. Mm-hmm. Um we also know that obesity can have a negative impact, um, certainly on what we call child's executive function abilities. Right. Yeah. That's the child's ability to control their own attention and their own behavior. Uh, and having poor skills in this realm can also really wreak havoc on the child being successful academically. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. There's, there are ways in which nutrition can have an impact. Yeah, well, kind of an aside here, um, I remember schools I had taught at, and I looked at the food. They were 
feeding the kids. I'm like, this is garbage. Sure, yeah. And it just fatted up, sugared up. Fatted up. Yeah, well, was that a word? I just made it a word. Sure. <laughs> um, we, we know exactly what you mean. Right, did. thank you. Yes, yeah. It was clear. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Because yeah, so. I get fatted up when I eat that <laughs> stuff. Right, right. uh, but just, just garbage. And then I, you know, I, I thought about that and, you know, some of the academic issues that I saw mm-hmm. with some students and I'm thinking well this doesn't can't help you know right. heavy foods and so I'm um, you know so kind of if that's it says me thinking uh, I'm, I'm so I'm going to jump ahead but I'm not going to I'm gonna I'm gonna refrain okay so anyway that's just observation <laughs> right, what you're saying right. yeah yes yeah I, I yeah I, I got something for you later yeah though. and yeah. I think with <laughs> the studies we don't see impacts that might be more subtle of things about like what you eat yes um, but we you know we'll see the things that are really really causing a problem like malnutrition or obesity or something like that yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I told you we're gonna we're gonna get nutrition. That's only I'm telling you we're gonna get nutrition. I so. agree with you. Yes. Well, now you do. Okay. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, anyway, yeah. So, can you also <laughs> explain the benefit of early detection of disorders and de- and delays? Like, you know, we might see things, and you know, we as parents are busy, you know. Right, sure. And if we have more than one kid, which a lot of us do, you know, it sometimes is hard to um, to focus on these types of things when we mm-hmm. see a red flag and we're like, oh, maybe that's a problem, but you know, I don't necessarily right. have time. Mm-hmm. So, why is it important that we make sure we catch these things? Well, there are absolutely huge benefits to early detection. As you started out saying today, children are learning so much uh, right from birth. Their brains are in a tremendous growth period. So we want to take full advantage of this early, very intense learning period as soon as we possibly can to help the child reach his or her full potential, developing their language and and all of their other skills. So we absolutely know the earlier, the better. Mm -hmm. And how can not staying on top of this and making sure that we get help for them, how can that affect us down the line? Because a lot of our parents not just have younger kids, but they have kids that are in school age. How I didn't quite catch that How can it affect if we don't, uh, if we don't it can catch just, these things yeah. and it can have a lifelong impact it can mm. it can harm the child's um, academic skills so language is the basis for academic success it's reading is language written mm-hmm. down right. so mm-hmm. it's critical for reading so you know if if we don't do as much as we can as early as we can um if those skills are weak when children are preschoolers, there's a much higher chance they're going to have difficulties later with reading and with their overall um, academic achievement. And this is particularly true of their, seems like you shouldn't be worried about academic language skills with preschoolers, but you should. So it's particularly true true if they're weak in their academic talk or their academic language skills. So what is? Tell me what academic talk is. So I think the best way to understand this concept is to think about why language is used in school. It's used to learn about the world, to think, and in school, children often be also have to be very comfortable talking about what they know, talking about what they're thinking. In a less obvious way, they have to use uh, their language skills in school is to control their own behavior um, so that they can pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, those executive functions we, we mentioned earlier. So to help us think about 
how children will need to use language in school, in my work I've made a real clear distinction between everyday casual talk and academic talk. If a child has parent with high education levels, both of those are going on all the time at home all through the preschool years. Casual talk is used to get things done in everyday life, to have relationships with other people. Uh, and in school, again, we're using language to um, learn about the world and, and engage in thinking. So children can be very good at casual talk in everyday life and still struggle tremendously when they get to school because they don't have this academic language skill. And that's exactly what happens to a lot of children from low-income backgrounds. Most of them actually don't have a communication disorder. A good 90% of them don't have mm -hmm. a language, developmental language disorder, but they very often do have weak academic language skills. So um, being exposed to a lot of academic talk at home and in preschool helps them get the specific kinds of language skills. The casual skills aren't going to help them much, but the specific kinds of language skills that will really help them with their academic skills and, and with their reading comprehension. That's kind of the backbone as they go further and further up in the grades to, yeah. their, to their academic success. Um, and, and the research shows even by kindergarten, first grade, if children start school behind in these skills, they're very likely to stay behind and they may even fall further and further behind. Um, so they'll struggle throughout their academic careers because they entered in kindergarten or entered in first grade behind on these skills. So if we want them to reach their full potential at school, um, we don't want to wait until they're in kindergarten or first grade to start thinking about fostering academic language skills and fostering what we've been talking about as these executive function skills. So can you give me a couple of, like maybe role play, a couple of examples of academic talk? Like what would you say to little Susie or okay, little so Ben? Okay, so if little Susie's getting ready to go to bed, um, I could just say, put your toys away, you need to go to bed, right? That's mm -hmm. one kind of way I could say, hey, I'm the mom and I told you to go to bed and, and you're going to bed. Um, I could alternatively kind of slip a lot, lot of, amazingly, it's time to go to bed, but I could be slipping um, academic talk into the mix there. Um, so um, I could say, oh my gosh, there's so many toys on the floor. What do you think you could use to make it easier to put them all away before you go to bed? Okay, so I've gotten the idea you're going to bed, but I've also given them a question where they have to reason. Uh -huh. That's more academic kinds of language. Yeah. Um, if the child can't answer, doesn't come up with an idea, then we just tell them what we would think in that context. We might say, hmm, if I had a whole bunch of things I needed to pick up and put away, I might find a box or maybe a basket to put them all in to carry them to where I was going to put them away. So the more the child hears us reason out loud like this, 
the more they're going to be able to use their language skills in that way. We might also ask, what do you think might happen if you didn't put your toys that are all over the floor away? And they might offer some ideas, and we might expand on those and say, wow, I think somebody could fall over one of them and maybe get hurt. Or maybe they have a dog, and you could say, oh, maybe, you know, um, Barley is going to chew up your toys while you're sleeping if you don't put them away. <laughs> um, so there might be all kinds of opportunities to get the child to think about the world more generally if we <coughs> put our minds to it. So the kids putting their toys away their doll has its leg broken off mm-hmm. and we might just let that pass we're anxious to get the kid to bed it's getting late or we could extend the conversation we're having and say oh my goodness your doll lost one of her legs how many legs do people usually have so you're taking it from the specific doll to more general information information about people in general that's the kinds of things that over and over again uh, we're learning in school. Bedtime is even an opportunity for these executive function skills. You know, a lot of kids don't want to go to bed, right? They're going to put up. They're going to put mm-hmm. up at our house. That's the way it is. Yeah, yeah. You've been so, peeking through our window. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've been peeking through lots of windows. So the child's going to balk, and then mm-hmm. you have this wonderful opportunity to um, say something like. Oh, I know it's really hard to do something, to stop doing things when you're really having fun, but you have to think about how you're going to feel tomorrow if you don't get enough sleep. You'll probably be grumpy and tired. You won't be able to learn as well in school. And then a lot, a lot of kids are going to say, I won't be tired. Right? <laughs> That's going to be the comeback. And then you could, the more you follow up, the richer the conversation, the better. You could follow up with... Yeah, I think that sometimes, too, because I just don't want to stop what I'm doing. So sometimes I have to make myself go to bed, even though I don't want to. It's really hard to take good care of ourselves sometimes, right? But then everybody has the point where they just have to play the tough guy parent, right? Mm -hmm. Kids still, yeah, well... um, that's your problem. Right. <laughs> and you, you might just have to say, look, I'm your mom or I'm your dad. Well, and right, I have to do my best to take care of you. Sleep is really important for all people, for all animals. Um, everybody has to get enough sleep. So you have to put your toys away right now and then you're going to bed. Right. Mm-hmm. But look at how much really rich language interaction went on in that scenario of just time to go to bed as opposed to uh, Susie put your toys away and and you're going to bed yes right Right. they're getting exposed to so much more language they're using their language to reason to negotiate right Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and those are all really important skills uh, things to be able to do with language in school Okay, that's awesome. Um, So if you're just joining us, um, we are talking to Anne, Dr. Anne Van Cleek, and we're talking about language, early childhood language and literacy. And so if you have any questions or you want to share your experience, our phone number is 214-431-5062. So um, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, there's, there's, teacher classroom talk that they always say they want us to do with 
how we instruct our students. Um, mm -hmm. I know uh, the concept of Bloom's taxonomy. Right, right. Um, what, what, it, just the, could you really, really quickly break break that down um, for our audience? Like, what is that? And because it sounds like what everything you were just saying connects to that. Yeah, but, it yeah, does. Just wanna, yeah. And I don't remember the exact order of the pyramid, but the basic thing is remembering. So you have to remember facts. You know, that's not always so much fun. And we also want kids to be able to tell us things they remember. They're going to have to do a lot of that in school, right? Mm, and when you get married, too. <laughs> that's right. I mean, honey, I already told you that. Honey, I already told you that twice. <laughs> you have been poking in our window, haven't you? <laughs> I certainly have. Um, so, yeah, they have to be able to remember things. Um, and they have to be able to evaluate things. We haven't gotten into book sharing yet, but that's right. that's one wonderful opportunity besides getting ready to go to bed and all the other times during the day um, that you can be asking them, oh, look, we saw one of them yesterday. Do you remember what that's called? You've just taught them a new word. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're remembering, and then they have to be able to apply that uh, information, right. and they have to be able to evaluate it. Um, so you see another child um, having a little temper tantrum in the supermarket at the end of the day. The kids just, you know, hit their limit, they're tired, and you could have a little discussion um, about that, evaluate it, say, oh, I think he's really tired and he's not happy, he probably didn't, you know, have a, he probably didn't go to bed early enough last night, right. Um, right. and um, sometimes I'm really tired at the end of the day, what do you think that little boy could do instead of crying on the floor of the supermarket you know you have these opportunities they're there all the time yeah to that's evaluating right but it's a for a preschooler it's about evaluating the things that happen in everyday life while you're going about your daily routines yeah you get opportunities all the time um both in terms of you know they're they're having trouble controlling their emotions or they see someone else who is or you can tell them what you had to do right. to control your emotions or you at least tried to um if you get a little upset in the car you can say oh you know dad forgot to um maybe you know use his words to calm himself down and he got mm. mad at that driver who did something dangerous mm -hmm. and so you're, right. you're modeling i have to do this too people have to do this and this is work and we're doing it all the time and the more of that they get the better yeah so so, oh, so we do this every, oh, every week. week. Every week we do this. Um, yeah. Okay. Let me say this, and I'll, I'll let you back, get back in. Um, so it's not like what you're saying. You're encouraging these parents to, and this is great because across all age levels, is e extending conversations yeah. beyond just quick answers um, or quick responses yep. or yes or no type yep. of questions. And the more elaborate yes. the conversation, the better. And this takes a lot of intentionality because as parents, we're tired or we're busy or we're distracted or whatever. But it sounds like you know we're helping them develop those critical thinking skills right. that they need mm -hmm. now, that they'll really need once they start exactly. kindergarten all throughout life just by being intentional and helping them kind of connect the dots exactly. between 
you know cause and effect and things like that right but I think it's really important to cut ourselves some slack too mm-hmm. parents are very busy you guys have three kids I mean that's really so you may have uh, many 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 opportunities during the day but you're rushed you're busy you're tired you're distracted whatever that's probably not the best time mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it's like let's do this when it can be enjoyable exchange between mm-hmm. me and the yeah. child uh, so we don't want to like put ourselves in a corner and feel guilty if we're not doing right. this but there's a lot of times when we're not doing anything else mm-hmm. we're in the car we're on the bus going somewhere there, you're seeing all kinds of things there's nothing else occupying you mm-hmm. and you just have to sit there anyway it's a great time mm-hmm. to be thinking about engaging right. the child this way meal time I was just going to um, say that and so you mentioned you watch a lot of television before there's an interesting thing about television and language development the more the television's on the more negatively it's going to impact the child's language development oh, no. and the um, the reason we think this happens is not because television's bad. It's because these interactions with other people oh, okay. right in our environment aren't going on nearly as much. There's been some very interesting research. When hmm. the television's on and you can hear it in the background, there's not back-and-forth conversations right. going on to nearly the extent. It's those back and forth conversations that are the sweet spot where we're really going to be helping our child. And that doesn't mean we don't all put kids in front of TV or a screen or whatever once in a while to keep them quiet and out of our hair while we're trying to get something else to do. It's a matter of how often. Mm -hmm. So very direct relationship. The more the TV's on, the more we're going to have um, a, a negative impact. It's an in, inverse correlation. Yep, it's an inverse yeah, correlation. I would also, I would also assume that also like with technology, uh, devices, electronic devices, uh, laptops, right. phones, tablets, uh, the more screen is in front screen of someone, time, yeah. it's going to impact how much people engage with one another. Absolutely. And and so instead of just talking about TV, now more and more the research is focused on all digital media. Yeah. Yes. And so, of course, it's a balancing act. Kids need to know how to use that stuff, but, you know, if they're using it too often, the American um, uh, Pediatrics Association says it's best really very very limited television below two years of age just right. a couple of hours a day when they're toddlers and preschoolers uh so they're acknowledging yeah kids are going to have screen time um but you know they even say not such a good idea to have a tv in the kid's bedroom yeah um, because right. if it's I'm there they're gonna that. they're gonna they're gonna have it on and and they're they're not being watched because exactly. that was that was mm-hmm. my problem. I had a TV mm-hmm. in my bedroom, and you you you're not going to be in their bedroom 24 hours, so right. you're just giving right. them an open window to the world, mm-hmm. right. and, <laughs> and to teach them whatever they want. want. Yeah, to, yeah, see absolutely. In that world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's jump into early literacy development. What what is that exactly? So early literacy development, and I actually call it pre literacy development. So um, it's all the kinds of things that the child can learn about print, learn about reading, learn about writing, before the child actually learns how to read and write independently themselves. And they can be learning 
tons of things. They can be learning all different functions of print. Oh, I write things down, or dad's writing down the things he needs to get at the grocery store. It's helping him remember. So mm-hmm. there's a function of print. Um, I can use print to be in touch with people who aren't right here. So I can, you know, text them or. Um, goodness gracious, even send them a card in the mail. <laughs> That's a possibility. Right. <laughs> Remember or a letter. Yeah. Right. Remember Go those figure. days. Yeah. So there's, I can use, um, I can watch people around me, mom and dad and other people, using print to learn about things. They're even using it to relax. Gee, mom's finally reading that book that she's been trying to read <laughs> for, for four months yeah right. uh so it can be a, a relaxing enjoyable thing it can be something they see mom and dad have to do to to, to work right you're right. on your computers you're doing stuff with print and they're like oh hmm, when i get big i'm maybe going to have to be able to do this stuff so they're learning lots of functions they can be learning some alphabet letters um they can be learning that um words rhyme and getting tuned into the sound component of language which will help them as they learn to read um they can be doing so are you saying like rap rap is a good thing then for chosen early. I think you get that rhythm and rhyme going, right? Absolutely. Hey. Absolutely. All right. See, see? <laughs> it's National Poetry Month. Did you know yeah. that? No, no, I did not. Yeah. See, I'm always trying to find a way to incorporate. When, we, when we look at, like, um, you know, if we look at, like, African-American kids and other kids' language development in certain ways in terms of academic talk uh-huh. skills, mm-hmm. there's a big gap, mm-hmm. you know. But if we look at um, the casual talk skills if they're getting into things like rap and everything uh-huh. their language is like it's just way better wow. it's wow. way richer so yeah. um it's interesting well like so like for example they incorporate uh, some schools folk, are you familiar with vocabulary with what it's called vocabulary i'm not okay vocabulary is basically taking academic concepts and turning them into raps uh-huh. And so cool. it's taking, and it goes down always, like, I think it's always kindergarten. I'm sorry, I'm all, all up on your hand no, here. Okay, I'm, okay, I'm holding my hand. Else. Yes. Um, but yeah, so they basically take the concepts and turn them in the rap with, with, a, with a catchy beat. Yeah, and, and what they do is they're conveying the same academic concepts, but in a way that uh, students can catch it. And so it has yeah. rhythm and rhyme to it, but you're still learning the same concept versus just yep. lecturing it to them. Right. And Danita and I wonderful. were talking about this before the show started. Um, it has to be engaging. So yeah. Yeah. I have this preschool read-aloud program I've been developing. I created and have been developing for a few years um, that's being used in some DISD classrooms, and we've used it in some Trinity Basin preparatory classrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and... The whole thing is you can you can be totally boring and trying to foster language skills and you're not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. You have to be engaging. And when you were talking, I was thinking about I just got to see Hamilton in New York in January. And, we're jealous. Yeah, we oh are. My gosh. We, we, we are hating on you, you know, right now. Yes, it, it was so freaking good. <laughs> But, oh my gosh. Thank you. Did I learn so much? I bet. And then that got me so interested. Right. I read the big fat, you know, several hundred pages, probably over a thousand page book that the musical was based on. So, oh, oh my right. gosh. 
So yeah, that that was so engaging. That was that pull, so that's engaging. That's what pulled you in. It pulled me in. Yeah. Man. So yeah, we've got to we've got to be. So even if we're going to read books to preschoolers, we have to remember that. Don't feel forced. If you're too tired, you're too grumpy, you're too stressed, skip it. Mm -hmm. That's not helping anybody. It's got to be an unstressful, engaging, fun activity where you can be focusing 100% of your attention on the kid, and that'll help them love books. Mm. Um, you know, because yeah. kids love nothing more than attention, and they're getting your undivided attention. Right. That'll make books really special. Yeah. So it sounds like, um, I know it's real easy, you know, with both of us being entrepreneurs, uh, or people just are just working, busy working to, you know, to, to shut off the work, to be intentional about engaging our children, um, or if we're tired. Um, you know, finding opportunities to plan it. So I think what I, th- I think a takeaway for us is, you know, we, we need to plan that time with our children. Mm-hmm. It just kind of it happens and it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But being more intentional, I think this is for it, for kids at any age. You know, when our right, kids are right. six, our youngest is six now. But I think this is just a lot of good stuff just for any parent. Whether they are pre you know pre K or not, just how to better engage and be more thoughtful about how right. we interact with our children. And I think there's way more opportunities than you think there are. So yeah. I'm thinking about the preschooler, I, I gave the whole scenario with it's time to go to bed. Well, there's bath time. There's mm-hmm. helping the kid get dressed, or if they're even younger, dressing the kid. There's meal time. There's meal preparation time. Maybe that's a time if if you can manage it on Tuesday. You might not be able to on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, but engage the kid in that. Don't have them go watch TV or be on their screen. But but talking about what you're doing and um, talking about how things transform when they're cooked or what, you know, there's all kinds of science and math and everything else going on there that you're doing it anyway. So you have this opportunity and and they go on all day long at times when you don't necessarily have to make a special time. Right. Right? Yeah, just kind of incorporating it in, into your life. And the more you can do that, I think the more you will yeah. do that. You know, that you will use language in these ways with kids. And I think you you mentioned drive time. That is the, the prime time. I thought we had a phone call. Okay. We have a call. We actually have a caller. So let me pause my thought here. Hi, you're on the air with School Dazed. Hi. Hi, what's your Missy. name, caller, and where are you coming from? Where are you calling hey, from? Missy. Oh, hi, Missy. This is our, my sister-in-law. <laughs> oh, okay. This is my sister. <laughs> hi, Missy. Hi, <laughs> hi sister. <laughs> what's hi, your question? Brother. I really like the stuff that you're talking about. I remember growing up listening to Schoolhouse Rock. Yes. Oh, yeah, Schoolhouse Rock. Do you know Schoolhouse Rock? I learned. That was how I learned my... My multiplications, because I had problems with the with the eight timetables, and I remember listening to that. Figure eight, it's double four. Figure four, it's half a day. My sister loves to sing. Always trying to find a way to sing. That's how I learned my multiplications, and I learned the you know the conjunction, junction. That's what's your function. what's your function yeah. or a bill? The one about a bill. Yeah. So Missy, yeah, exactly. 
Messi, I'm afraid I'm way too old to know that. <laughs> Sorry. That's right in our wheelhouse. And I got to tell you. That was late, late 70s, early 80s. That was when that was really, really yeah. big. Yeah, I was definitely through the 80s. multiplication tables in okay. the 1950s. Oh, well. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah, should you should Google it. Yeah, and I remember when Sesame Street came out. That's yeah, that, that it came out. out the year I was born. Actually, it came out after I was born too. Mm-hmm. That came out was, in 1965. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I'm telling I, I, you. Yeah. The the use of rhyme and music is so amazing in learning things. I remember, like, I was I was taught the fifty states in alphabetical order, which I still know. Wow! Back in I think maybe wow. first grade. Yeah, I still know that. And um, what are some of the other things? Oh, there was an episode of Cheers where they were trying to teach Coach something. He Coach was one of the employees at the bar, and he, they were trying to. He had a test he had to take. So I now remember that Albania borders on the Adriatic. Its land is mostly mountainous, and its chief export is chrome. At least it was in the 80s when this came out. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? It, you know, this That's was amazing. 20, 30 years yeah. ago. Yeah, and we can, <laughs> we, yeah. we can even pull that back into pre-literacy skills, because mm-hmm. how do kids learn the alphabet? Well, we teach them a song. Exactly. And yeah, they exactly. already know the tune to that song. That's the, that's the tune for Twinkle, Twinkle, mm-hmm. Little Star. Yeah. So we stick these totally meaningless A, B, C, D. I mean, those don't mean anything all by themselves. Right. But it gives them that memory anchor to kind of go back to Bloom's taxonomy right, a little bit, right? right? They have to remember those. Um, and so we start with song. I guess that's not universal, because I've had really? uh, graduate students from other cultures, other countries say, I, I didn't learn an alphabet song, so... Oh, wow. yeah. Interesting. Well, they're missing out. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, Missy, I thank... I oh. up that, um, David, mom used to be like... Uh, uh, if uh, you can learn this music, you can learn this. You can learn these. Uh, you know, uh, right. timetables so, or whatever. So I, well, that's true. I would have to put it to song because that was how I remember things and putting it to music. Yeah. Right, right. Still, that's awesome. Still, still do to this day. Yes, she's <laughs> she's been singing ever since. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, well, Missy. We're so glad you're listening. Thank you so much for calling. We only have a couple more minutes and about. Okay. 25 more questions we want to ask her. Okay. So we're going to have to. But thank okay. you for calling. Thank you. Thanks, Missy. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye, brother. Bye, Missy. Bye. bye. Oh, how it's cute. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So we're just uh, really scratching the surface of this, but we want to. We do want to ask you a couple more questions. Actually, how about you tell us some of the things that you want our parents to know about the importance of reading aloud and and pre or early pre K um, literacy? Because we really only have a couple okay. more minutes. And what's sure. Bring it the biggest thing we need yeah. to know? Bring it so, Land the plane. Okay. So um, <laughs> I think, like a lot of things, we maybe. Uh, get the message out there too strongly in terms of read to your baby when you're pregnant, read mm. to your newborn, you know, and so on and so forth. Well, um, reading to your fetus when you're pregnant per se is not really important. Um, when they're about 18 weeks gestational age, uh, they start to be able to hear, um, can respond to sound about 25 weeks. Hearing voices is important, but you don't Mm -hmm. have to be reading. Um, They're actually starting to learn some things about the language in utero, believe it or not. Um, Hmm. 
reading to a newborn um, if it makes you feel like a good dad or a good mom <laughs> that's great but it's not really going to help the child okay what's going to help the child is interacting with them and talking with them yeah even though they're not talking yet we've got tons of research they are learning so much about language during yeah. that first year of life before they actually ever learn how to talk themselves so mm-hmm. we want to talk to our babies and we want to talk a lot and that can be you know some cultures don't do that that might seem really strange it's like you know a baby doesn't even talk yet why would i talk with that baby um well maybe because it's actually going to build this foundation that's going to be important yeah um not only having interactions then but as they get to school age and you know just cascades through their whole life um but once children are six months or so they can start to pay attention to a book and they'll enjoy that one-on-one attention that you're giving them so they'll 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 bring the book to you right and they'll want the same book read over and over and over again so you'll know which books are the best books to read to them for a baby it'll be really simple books with single bright colored items of you know one thing per page as they're toddlers they can listen to simple stories and follow them just fine especially because they have the pictures in the book to help them understand when they're preschoolers um, I've even seen parents read chapter books that take several days or several weeks to finish to a preschooler so mm. don't limit yourself and the one of the really wonderful things about books is when we're talking every you know every day casual talk you know with people we don't use big vocabulary and if we do they'll probably say um i'm not one of your students you know <laughs> Come come down off it. You know, you didn't have to use that big word with me. Um, My wife does that one with me all the time, by the way. I don't know what curmudgeonly meant until I met my wife, so... I call those the SAT words. I'm sorry. Exactly. Exactly. But so you don't get exposed to the SAT words or even the mm-hmm. second grade words for the academic words um, in everyday casual talk. But you do in reading. So even books right. written at a preschool level have mm-hmm. much more advanced vocabulary yeah. in them than children are going to hear. So reading those books, um, the more often you read them, the more benefit to the child's vocabulary development and their general language development. They come to be able to tell the story themselves. That's a real important language skill to be able to tell stories in a logical sequence yeah. things mm-hmm. like that they're learning the <coughs> vocabulary um, you can talk about what the vocabulary means you can use the vocabulary again later in the day oh we saw that in your book oh yeah there's that word again and just get all excited um, so as kids are you know after six months um, well, a six-month-old can't pay attention to a book for longer than a minute or two, so that's not going to be a very long interaction. But a preschooler would love if you would read to them for 20 minutes, a half hour, mm-hmm. and then if it's bedtime, an hour or two hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I'm not really. I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, the that's a wonderful, wonderful activity, but the reason I said I think it's kind of been overblown is it 
makes parents think they can only do that kind of stuff when they're reading to their kids. And yeah. I'm really trying to help parents understand you have opportunities all day long for That's the child awesome. to... And teach them fancy words. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to dine tonight instead of eat. Or, oh, look at that cute infant. Infant mommy, what's that mean? Oh, that's another, that's a fancy word for baby, right? Mm-hmm. We can just be doing it. And kids love, if you tell them that their skin is epidermis, <laughs> a four-year-old will love it. Yes. They're just like, <gasps> and they'll learn the big long word and they'll tell people about it and they'll be excited about it. They're sponges. I've had preschoolers teach me words. Um, I, had wow. a, I had a two-year-old, when I was reading a book to them, correct me when I called it a bug and he said... Yes, but it's a special kind of bug. It's an aphid. And oh. I, had, I had no idea what an aphid was. I had to go look it up. <laughs> wow. like, okay, so don't underestimate yeah. the, the vocabulary. They're sponges. You know, there's that 30 million word gap mm-hmm. that people talk about. And it is refers to research in which um, we've seen that uh, children whose parents have high education levels just talk to them a lot more. Yeah. And you can see with the little go-to-bed episode how much more they might be talking, yeah. right? And so by three years of age, they're hearing 30 million more words than their um, low-income than, than low-income children are, mm-hmm. and it's already having a. There's already a huge difference in kids' vocabularies by three years of age, and if we follow those three-year-olds with the bigger vocabularies, it makes a huge difference to their academic success for years to come. But it isn't just about the number of words. It's not, you know, tell the kid, put that away, stop that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Don't hit your brother. It's those big engaged conversations about why we're doing this and how we feel about it and how it can be difficult and but how we have to do it anyway, even though, you know, it's not that much fun or on and on and on. There's just tremendous opportunities for that outside of the book sharing context. But book sharing's like the mother load of opportunities. So um, someday I'll come back and tell you more you about have to yeah, no, yeah, back. No, you the, are coming back. The yeah. Tabby program. So the Tabby program is um, T A B to the fourth. That means there's four Bs to I, Tabby. And it stands and for exponents, yes. Talking about books builds big brains intervention and I've taken everything I've learned in my career and I've built it into um, for now right now it's for teachers to use with the classroom to really foster those academic language skills just real high doses of them the books are read six or eight times um, and it's just been phenomenal. I'm seeing really, we're still crunching data, but I'm seeing really good results, even with bilingual kids who've been exposed to this program so, yes. well, so that's really exciting but it's just one context it's right, just the book right. sharing yeah. well unfortunately we are out of time we are absolutely going to have to have you come back this was such great information thank you so much Dr. Van Cleek you are so welcome it was a pleasure yes and if you guys loved today's show you're really going to love next week also um, next week we have veteran teacher Kendra Allen she'll join us to give us tips on fostering a love of reading in a tech driven society I with, can't wait to hear about that I know. With Me so either. much <laughs> right, you'll be listening. So with so much competition from Fortnite and cute cats.
cat videos and Snapchat. Kids are spending less time reading. It's just a reality. So come back next week, next week to get tips to inspire your kids and maybe even yourself to read more. So as always, head to our website, schooldazedshow.com for more information. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. And if you'd like to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, we're at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N Foundation. And we always want to end our show by saying that David and I are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you want to know more about that, feel free to email us at info at schooldaysshow.com. Have a great week. School Days is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.